folks, it's Michael Shelley here. I was so sad to hear that Otis Clay passed away. I thought about our 2009 interview, and I could not remember the exact circumstance behind it. It's kind of a short interview, and I think it was one of those things. It was on again, off again, and it was off again, and then they called me in the middle of the show and said, can you fit it in? And I had another guest, and so we only had a short window uh, where we could do the interview. But he's in a terrific mood here, and we talk about a, a kind of a broad... A uh, bunch of things, and just a sweet guy, and he starts off kind of laughing at hearing himself on hold, and I don't know, just the whole thing, I got it, just a, a great vibe from him, just a nice guy, you know. Uh, anyway, just uh, just sad that he's gone. It's from 2009, August 22nd, I believe. Uh, it's my chat with Otis Clay. Don Nix is coming up. I'm working on a few other things, so you can always check WFMU.org slash Michael to see the list of upcoming guests and listen to full programs, the archives of all the shows since... I don't know, 2006, something like that, or there. That's a lot of shows. Um, as always, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Uh, I'm at Michael S at WFMU.org. And now, here is my chat from uh, 2009 with the great late Otis Clay. Yeah, there's the great Otis Clay and his version of uh, She's a Bad Mover. Otis joins us on the telephone. Welcome to the program, Otis Clay. Hello. <laughs> That's a great song. <laughs> you, I'm glad you're in a good mood. I'm glad you're happy to hear yourself on hold, right? It's good hold music. <laughs> yes, that, that, that is, oh my God, that's uh, 1968. Wow, amazing. <laughs> Take a few years ago. Uh, you were born in Mississippi, but you're really known as a Chicago soul guy, and you've been singing uh, music a long time. You started in uh, in gospel bands. How old were you when you started singing gospel music? I was four years old. Wow. And we a, well, I'm from a big family. Okay. So, you know, in, in, in big families, you know, you're going to do something. <laughs> you know, you're going to say a speech, you're going to sing, or you're going to dance, or you're going to do something. Because that's how we entertained each other. Uh-huh. You know, so you're always discovered by your family before anybody else. Hmm. And they and they and and how did you sort of make the move to I'm going to be a professional gospel singer? How did that happen? I, it, you know, I, it was just, if, for lack of a better word, a certain progression you go through in life. You know, uh, you 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 start at home. You start with the family. Then, in, in my what happened with me? Then I went out and started singing with other people outside of the family. And and uh, you start singing with a more popular group and a more popular group, and you get somewhat of a reputation. And then uh, one day, one of the premier gospel groups in the country asked you to start coming sing with them. You know, and that's pretty much how it went. Uh, it's kind of interesting. You you sort of turned to soul music. Uh, was there a uh, was it hard for you to to turn away from gospel music? Was that a weird transition? Do, were people on your case about that? Well. I think I was thinking about uh, other people more so than I was thinking about myself. It was no problem for me because I my first professional gig was with a group called the Blue Jays, which was known as uh, uh, Variety Singers. Hmm. You know, and and we were singing uh, all kinds of songs, which was my exposure. I was eighteen at the time, you know, and so I was always kind of like took a broader approach to the music simply because of that, you know, uh, with the, the Blue Jays, and we were singing uh, pop tune Broadway songs as well as the twists and, huh. 
you know, we were covering <laughs> we we were covering all bases. Yeah. So later on, it wasn't that difficult for me to do it. Yeah, uh, you were sort of in the gospel field, right? Uh, you know, there was a time when you know, I guess before television, where gospel touring, especially in the South, especially the quartets, was really a big thing. You know, there was a, a circuit, and these bands drew huge, huge crowds. They were rock stars, uh, sort of. Well, you know, you were the only game in town. Hmm. You know, you're playing all these different places, and uh, even when you were playing like the major cities, you know, because uh, later on, uh, when I, I started singing with the uh, Sensational Nightingale, you know, which, again, now we're talking about uh, straight gospel group, you know, and uh, we would be on these different tours, and we playing Apollo in New York, you know, we playing in Philly at the Met in Philadelphia and all the major venues. Uh, so it, it was uh, it, it was kind of interesting, you know. And my career has been that way. Oh, it is. Uh, the, for some reason, I've always heard that the gospel quartets were when they came to your town. It was sort of lock up your daughters. Uh, the crazy guys are in town, sort of off stage. <laughs> There would where, did be, you, where did you hear that? I've, you know, I've read that in a lot of different accounts. Is is there any truth to that? That there was sort of a, you know, four guys, good-looking guys with uh, you know charisma up on stage. It must have been uh, a lot of fun. Well, it was a bit wild. Yeah, I must say, you know, uh, um, you know, there, you, you, well, you know, you're young, you're young. Oh my God, you're young. But <laughs> <laughs> you know the excitement of traveling and 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 what have you. Yeah, you you know. I mean, yeah. It was it's, it's, it's there's a lot of stories there. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. We'll leave it at that. Uh, you, you started recording for the wonderful label in Chicago, and uh, you've been on a bunch of different labels. After that, you uh, recorded. You went down to Rick Hall Studio. Uh, in Muscle Shoals, I think, 1968, and we recorded that song we just heard, the cover of the Sir Douglas, uh, She's About a Mover. Tell me a little bit about working in Muscle Shoals and working with uh, Rick Hall and that crew down there. You know, Rick is a beautiful person, you know, and, and, and Rick, uh, as you know, at that time, Muscle Shoals was the place. I mean, and, and to this day, a lot of folks never knew about Muscle Shoals. They heard the music, but they didn't know where it was coming from. Mm. You know, it's this little place in Alabama, you know, nobody, you know, uh, man, uh, uh, out of the way, and you had all this music coming out of there, and a lot of folks didn't know the majority of the players was white players. Yeah. You know, in the South, and here you got all these white guys playing the soul music and getting all these hits out there. Yeah, Aretha Franklin and Wilson picking all these very soulful hits. Percy Sledge, Clarence Carter, yeah. uh, Candy Staten, so, and Etta James, you know. So it became a thing where the hip thing in the industry, every, all the record companies were sending their artists to muscle shows. Mm, yeah. You know, and then what was happening, you're hearing this thing happening in muscle shows, and then you come right back up north to Memphis. So a lot of times you had the same musicians, especially when it came to the horns. Hmm. Like you had the rhythm and muscle shows, but they didn't have any horn players. <laughs> they didn't have any horn players. So 
the, the horns would come out of Memphis. Yeah, sometimes they had the Stax horns or, or the High Records guys. Uh, yeah, and your next step after Rick Hall was, uh, I think, going over to High Records and working with Willie Mitchell. Early, Willie Mitchell. Early 70s, uh, just that was the golden time for High Records, uh, Memphis uh, label. Uh, great. Just a signature sound. You hear one of those records for five seconds, you know it's a High Record. Yeah, it was, it was that... The Memphis thing and the, uh, the Muscle Show thing, and you know, I was used to doing arrangement. Like in Chicago, you had all these different arrangers. Johnny Pate, who did my first recording session, uh, Johnny Pate and Riley Hampton, and and people like that who was Johnny like, Pate worked uh, on all those great Johnny Sanders worked on all those great uh, impressions records. And, right, yeah. right. You had all these guys, and they were doing like arrangements. Like they'd come in, the horn arrangements would laid out the rhythm pretty much was laid out and then you go on here I go to muscle shows and everybody just sit around and start playing huh. and coming up with these ideas and so that's what we, that was known in the industry as head arrangement right and is that you the know? way it was at high records as well high records as well yeah they just yeah. just worked it up yeah just work it up man you know uh, uh, and are you always singing live or are you overdubbing at that point well, well, you know, you're doing a combination of both. But mainly, you know, uh, with me, I like to uh, just work with the band. Come on, man. You know, let's work it until we get it right, you know. Mm. Uh, so I'll be going full steam in the studio. And, and it's saying like, man, won't you just kind of cool out a bit? No, I want them to get the feel. I want them to know what we're doing here and what they're playing around in the whole shot. Yeah. So... Uh, that's what happened with me with the head arrangements. Uh, we we would just work it out. I yeah. mean, I'm I'm going all the way from guys writing uh, charts on on you know on musical paper to right. someone writing the changes out on a matchbox. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> said, so, hey, you know, uh, they'd write it out on a matchbook. You know, okay, here's the change, huh? Take this. <laughs> <laughs> These are the notes. This is what we're playing. Uh, interesting. So let's talk about this big show you've got coming up, part of the Brooklyn Soul Festival. It's a two-night thing. You are playing as part of the second night, August 29th, at the Bell House in Brooklyn. And uh, folks can go to myspace.com slash digdeepernyc for information. It's you and Maxine Brown, Barbara Lynn, Roscoe Robinson, and Herman Hitson uh, all in this big festival. Is it sound, sounds like fun. I mean, you don't get to New York City too often, do you? I was in New York um, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in uh, Battery Park, and uh, I, ju- I, I just saw you down to Ponderosa Stomp, and you, you know, I'll vouch for you. You can still sing, and you're still obviously into it. You know, you're happy to be singing, happy to be up in front of a crowd uh, doing it. You know. Well, you know, I, 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 I have to sing because I don't have a retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, you know you better be good. Well, or, you know, I mean, hey, you better be able to deliver. You're such and, a veteran of the music business. I mean, you've been on Cotillion and Rounder and uh, a bunch of small labels. Uh, you're also putting out some of your own records uh, on Echo. Uh, how honest is the music business? Uh, you, can you give us the perspective of somebody who's been signed to a lot of labels? Uh, you know, um, I was. Um, how uh, there was there was a saying always a bridesmaid but never bride something to that <laughs> right you know, yeah I, I was on, I was in all the right places like I said I went to Atlantic at uh, in '68 you know and that was when Atlantic all the Atlantic hot artists was hot right right you know what I mean and uh, I went to High Records uh, Al 
Al Green, that is, hadn't quite took off yet. We were there together, right. you know, and Al, you know, was bubbling at those fan go. He was bubbling under right then, you know, and then after a while, within a month, matter of months or whatever, he really broke wide open. <sighs> uh, so it's different now. It's different simply because of the fact of technology, modern technology, you know, and I thank God that I'm in the middle of it, you know, uh, you know, with people, there are folks that says, I want to download, what you, and I know, I can understand that because years ago, you would buy an album, might have the, the hit song, was the only one you really liked on the <laughs> album. So like now, folks can say, I don't want everything else, just give me the one song. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's the upside to that. It's more upside than it's downside because, you know, uh, there are people who are very loyal and say, I'm going to buy I want to buy the physical album or CD. I still use that term, album. But uh, the industry right now, there's a lot of free music, you know, and and there's YouTube. I love YouTube, but YouTube, I mean, we just, we were in Poland back in July. Pretty much everything that we did there was on, you know, so, uh, yeah. uh, was on YouTube. And you're not getting paid for it. Yeah, there's some great, great old clips of you on Soul Train and stuff, singing some great stuff. I want to remind everybody once again, they can check out otisclay.net for information, and you've got tours all around the world, really. And I know we have some listeners in Europe, and you've got some stuff coming up over there. And folks can check out myspace.com slash NYC for this big uh, Brooklyn Soul Festival, August 28th and 29th, which uh, Otis Clay will be singing at. We've sort of got to wrap it up i hate to 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 wrap it up on you so quickly i've got a song trying to live my life without you and one of your your big high hits coming up how were the songs presented to you were you did you hear a demo or would someone just lay it down on 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 a piano or a guitar and sing it to you or how did you first hear those kind of songs well man it it was uh um you had all these great writers you know sometimes i do a little writing but then again these guys come with such great songs i just put mine in the briefcase and say, okay, I'm gonna do, <laughs> let's do this one. And, and you had George Jackson. And, and George Jackson, uh, who wrote Old Time Rock and Roll for Bob right. Seger, uh, he wrote uh, One Bad Apple for the Osmonds. The first hits the Osmonds had was written by George Jackson. And and George was one of those people that we we had a run for a few years, you know, and he wrote to me even after I left high. Uh, but George, we had been in the studio all day on and on into the night. And so I'd gone to the hotel. I'm, I'm in Memphis, so I'd gone to the hotel. And uh, maybe around 1 or something like that, 1 o'clock a.m., Willie Mitchell called me. Well, they had been having, they had those cups around there all day long, you know. Okay. <laughs> Willie Mitchell had a big yellow cup that he drank out of, <laughs> you know, and, and George, he he was just drinking beer. He was a, ch- a chain beer drinker, you know. Okay. As he finished one, he had another one in his hand. So it's a, the irony of it, that's how that's what's in the song. I had a glass in my hand all the time. Right. Well, it wasn't a, a glass, but he either a glass bottle or aluminum can, but he was constantly drinking these beers. So they called me, and, and Willie Mitchell said, Otis, you got to hear this song that George Jackson just wrote, man. You got to hear this song. So, as always, Willie Mitchell was in the control room, and George was out in the studio. And so, uh, of course, again, we they've had these cups all day long. So, by you can figure about one o'clock in the morning, 
the shape George in, and that's how we came up with the intro. It's kind of unusual. So he said, okay, George, play the song. And George said, uh, you smoke. So we captured that that you know that added that approach to the song, and that's how you came up with that. I used to smoke. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting story. Wow. Uh, Well, uh, we're going to hear this great record now. Otis Clay, thanks for uh, spending part of your Saturday morning with us. It's it's a great story, and maybe next time you play New York, you call us again. We can hear a little more of the story. I thank you much, and I know you have your momentum going there, and you, I've come in, and so, I mean, you got to get your groove back. Thank you so much for letting <laughs> well, me do this. We'll see you at the Brooklyn Soul Festival on uh, the 29th. Next Saturday. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye-bye.
Drum 